Airlines Confidential with Ben Baldanza and Chris Chimes is made possible with the support of Pratt & Whitney with the broadest and deepest experience in all forms of aircraft propulsion. PrattWhitney.com TA Connections, the industry's most comprehensive airline lodging and crew logistics program. TAConnections.com Clear, a leader in touchless travel. Learn more at clearme.com slash airlines. And Seabury Capital Group, global reach, global scale. SeaburyCapital.com. We also welcome your business's support. Info at AirlinesConfidential.com. You're at the right place. This is Airlines Confidential, and I'm Chris Chimes, and we're glad you're joining us for our weekly trip around the airline world. And I'm Ben Baldanza. We're going to get right to some news and then a very interesting discussion with Brian Coe. Chris, let's go. There we go. How's that for a good starting round? Thanks, Ben. Uh, Let's start with Dateline Luxembourg, and the protagonist here is Ryanair. After multiple failed attempts, Ryanair finally got a win in its campaign against COVID-related subsidies for European carriers and their competitors. On Wednesday, the EU's second highest court overturned the European Commission's approval of a 3.4 billion euro Dutch subsidy to Air France KLM and a 1.2 billion euro offer by Portugal to tap Air Portugal on the basis of the lack of documented justification. But the court didn't really order the repayment of the subsidies. Rather, judges gave regulators the chance to re-examine the cases and fix any procedural flaws. On Wednesday, Ryanair lost a separate challenge to a 10 billion euro Spanish fund for local carriers. These were just a few of the more than two dozen challenges Ryanair has pursued since last year. Uh, Ben, you want to predict where this is headed? Well, where this is headed, I think, is Ryanair is going to continue to be aggressive. And they see it as really unfair that these big, sometimes state-run carriers are getting these subsidies when they are not. And they're saying, look, we're the ones keeping fares in check. We're the ones making sure the fares stay low. And yet you're continuing to subsidize these carriers that maybe provide different kinds of services, different levels of services in Ryanair. Maybe customers like these airlines better than Ryanair in terms of fly them. But he's saying, let the market sort of win out. So my guess is Ryan is going to stay aggressive and they're going to win some and they're yeah, going to lose some. I saw some. the courts sense, flagging the procedural issue as kind of like, you know, here you go, Air France, KLM. There's the door. Go through that door and you know, get this fixed and you can have your money. So it was kind of a somewhat hollow victory. I, I still think these carriers are going to get their money, but I agree with you that uh, Ryanair is going to continue to be aggressive. Well, and you probably saw the Ryanair of U.S. spirit won a judgment against the FAA regarding slots at Newark as well. And that sort of shows this, this continued aggressiveness of low-cost carriers saying, we're the ones that want to expand. We're the ones making the market bigger for people. So don't give subsidies to inefficient competitors and don't lock us out of big airports and have slots disappear in the Spirit case, you know, reallocate those slots. So Spirit might not get the slots that they argued against the FAA shouldn't go away, but they won the judgment that the slots should It's always go been, away. if you can't compete uh, on the runway and in the airways, uh, you compete in the courtroom. And then here in the U.S., Memorial Day and the summer travel season is upon us. Lots of optimism that we've been talking about, about the pent-up demand for travel and air travel specifically. But there's also growing concern about the labor shortage that will impact the travel industry, including airline service. 
TSA is trying to assure Congress and travelers that they will be able to fully staff airport security checkpoints. Airlines are scrambling to hire reservations agents. I saw one story about Delta having a nine-hour hold time, and Americans trying to hire hundreds of phone agents. Airport concessionaires are having a hard time staffing restaurants and, and other facilities at major airports. And then once airline passengers land, there's a scramble for rental cars and hotel workers. Let's assume it's going to be a frustrating summer for airline employees and passengers alike, Ben. But if you were still sitting in the CEO suite, how would you be setting priorities? Well, let me say first, Chris, I'm glad I'm not in that seat right now. (laughs) And I think what you just outlined there is the single biggest challenge facing the next three months of the airline industry, actually, even more than sort of confusions on mask wearing or or anything else. It's the fact that while there's all this pent up demand, which seems real, people want to travel, people are willing to travel, at least domestically. Families are willing to get out, want their kids to see their grandparents and such. The external stuff, getting a rental car, being able to not have super long lines at places, being able to go to the restaurant you want, that is the real issue. And if you just watch the news, you see that lots of businesses are having a hard time hiring. So if I were in the CEO suite, since that's the question you ask, I guess my priorities would be to work with state and local officials in the areas that were most important to my network and try to get a better gauge of what was really happening at the local level around staffing and things like that, and maybe even manage capacity a little bit differently based on that. I'll tell you and the listeners, Chris, just a, just a complete anecdote. My family's planning on taking a, a trip domestically in July. And I was going to try to book a rental car using points from, you know, a credit card that I have. And there's just no cars available using points. I'm sure when I went to buy the car, I was able to buy the car. But they're saying we have so few cars, we're not going to let them go away through through those kind of loyalty programs right now. That's just an example of how things are changing. Yeah, I was in this uh, reading somewhere that in Hawaii, people are driving U-Hauls. Uh, that's the only vehicle that uh, a renter can get. I also think airline executives need to think about where some things could kind of fall off the table to kind of move customers quickly through. Um, Certainly safety shouldn't be jeopardized or questioned in any way, but, you know, kind of like lost and found or damaged bag claims or whatever else. If it's like under a certain threshold, do you just like approve it and move on versus taking up valuable staffing time when you don't have enough staff to handle some of these kinds of issues. That's a good point to add. I think that's exactly right. Well, you know, Chris, Travel Alliance and Hotel Connections have come together to become TA Connections, paving the way for a new chapter in crew logistics management. TA Connections procures over 30 million rooms annually on behalf of their clients and makes travel management easier and less expensive with AI-powered booking applications, intelligent learning algorithms, customizable rules engines, analytics, and global negotiated rate programs. Learn more at taconnections.com. TA Connections is a FleetCore company, the world's leading provider of technology and services for crew and passenger logistics management. They need a lot of people too, Chris, and so I hope they're able to staff. So Ben, now a hefty topic for discussion. Uh, There was way too much attention about a story on the potential for airlines to have to start weighing passengers to update outdated weight and balance calculations on the concern that Americans are getting too fat. 
Air Insight Magazine reviewed the details of new documentation requirements for aircraft weight and balance contained in Advisory Circular 120-27F that is pending at the FAA. The FAA took public comment on their draft guidance last spring, and there was some expectation that an advisory notice could be in the final review stage. Ben, uh, no pun intended, but do you want to weigh in on this? Well, yes, Chris. You know, this this happens every once in a while. And as many of our listeners know, the weight that an airplane is when it takes off affects a lot of things. In some cases, whether it can take off or not, <laughs> but certainly can affect how much fuel the plane uses and how far the plane can fly as a result and things like that. And certainly to be safe and to operate safely, the Airlines have to do a weight and balance calculation to make sure that the plane is within what's called the operating envelope of the plane's ability to operate. And so the way airlines do this is they use an average. I think now it's 215 pounds per passenger plus bags. I might be wrong about that. I'm sure a listener will correct me on that. But there's a number of sort of per passenger plus bags that you multiply the number of people on the plane times that number, and that's the weight of the passengers that you assume. Now, if everybody is getting fatter, and in fact, they're finding through sampling, what they do is on some flights, they actually weigh the people on the flights and through a sample determine is the number we're using correct or not. And if they believe it's low, then what they would do is they would make a modification then. And if I was right about my 215, maybe it would go to 220 or 225 or something like that. And that would have implications for airlines in terms of how much fuel they have to put on the plane in real extreme situations of high heat or high altitude could affect whether they might have to bump up one or two more people off the airplane to make it possible to fly. So this is a big deal for airlines. They want to get this right. Airlines want to be safe, but they don't want to have to charge themselves for weight that isn't really there either. I think this story got some legs because they were talking about passengers voluntarily giving their weight at the airport. And that's what all that was. It's about doing sampling to determine whether that number the airline uses is a fair number or not. I guess it's possible that the number could go down also. Right. I mean, that's probably I read the story is, you know, there might just be kind of random sampling on a few flights just to make sure that the new calculations align with the new formula. But, you know, as this story was breaking, there was some, quote, best-selling author of a book called Why Are You Sick, Fat, and Tired that looked at my LinkedIn profile. And so I, 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 um, <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't take offense at that. And I guess I wouldn't take offense if I had a way in. But um, uh, it, was, it was kind of silly watching all the news coverage like this was like going to be an everyday occurrence at airports. Finally, as we look to the week ahead, as we record this, there's growing speculation that the FAA is going to downgrade the safety rating for Mexican carriers. That could impact traffic in this market that has been doing very well during the pandemic, and it could impact the Delta Aeromexico code share. And then something may be brewing on masks on planes and all transportation modes. So our listeners should uh, watch those two issues, and maybe we'll talk about them next week. We'll be right back with Ben's discussion with Brian Coe, the Director of Forecasts and Aerospace Insights at Aviation Week. And if you're a data geek, an aviation geek, or just a geeky geek, you're going to enjoy Brian's discussion about the many ways he and his team use data to build trends and projections and 
what they've been looking at closely over this past year. And then, of course, the other experts on trends and data are the folks at the specialty finance and investment banking firm of Seabury Capital Group, with a 25-year track record of advising clients across aviation. Seabury Capital Group's award-winning and widely respected team has superior industry knowledge along with state-of-the-art analysis, technology, and solutions, and an unmatched depth of relationships with decision makers in industry, finance, and government. Explore their global reach and scale at seaburycapital.com. You know, Brian Coe has a tough job. He has to forecast in an environment with a lot of uncertainty right now. So I really hope you all enjoy this interview. I learned a lot from it. I hope you do too. We're here live at the MRO America's Conference in Orlando, and I'm very happy to be here with Brian Coe. Brian, you're with Aviation Week. Tell us what you do with Aviation Week. Hi, thanks. <laughs> I'm the uh, Director of Forecasts and Aerospace Insights for Aviation Week, so we look at a lot of data for both the airline industry, but we're branched across all different sectors of aviation, so commercial, business, helicopter, and defense as well. So I imagine that forecasting in this last year has been a real tough thing. Tell me how you've been able to forecast with so much uncertainty in the world. Yeah. Well, how much time do you have? Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, it has been a struggle, and uh, it's really what we felt, you know, Aviation Week's mission is to inform the industry. So it really started from the top down. And uh, the president of Aviation Week says, I, I don't care, we need to get information out to our industry. I don't care what it costs. Uh, we need to do it and do it now and help out our industry. So that's where it really started from. But as far as forecasting, uh, you know, we developed some different recovery scenarios, uh, what we thought was going to happen, potentialities, is there a second wave, is there a third wave, um, and, and how deep. And what was interesting is, really our worst case scenario at that time when we started developing this, probably about the same, well, a little around March of uh, last year, was uh, really came true, unfortunately. So it, it's, it's had a heavy impact on the industry. Huge impact. So as you look at the commercial aviation space, part of what you do, what do you think the next year is going to be like? Do you think 2022 will be you think we'll be able to call it a recovery year for the industry or is that still too far away? I think so. It's, it's going to be, there are going to be sectors that will do better and we're already seeing those patterns now that uh, when we look at utilization data, like our, the smaller the aircraft, almost the better it's doing. So uh, regional turboprops, uh, regional aircraft to a second extent and uh, the smaller narrow bodies, those aircraft are being used more um, so it's it's really you got to kind of dig down to see the bright spots. You know what's what's happening. You know even regionally. So like things in uh, North America, as far as uh, utilization and schedules, uh, those are coming back quite nicely. Not you know we're still down 40 percent, say for here in the United States and North America, um, and, and some other regions are worse than that. But it's it's much better than where we were in May of uh, last year. You know 2020. That's exactly right. You know, U.S. airlines are fairly bullish on their capacity deployment for this summer, adding a lot of seats to a lot of places, more leisure focused, of course. Do you think that's a good strategy? Do you think those seats are going to likely to fill this summer? I think so. There's, you know, just anecdotally, you know, like talking to my neighbors and, <laughs> and people that I can, you know, people feel like Superman when they get the shot. They're like, OK, I'm ready to go. Um, 
But it's, yeah, it's definitely going to be led by leisure travel. And you see that in the airline stock pricing, you know, um, especially in Europe, where airlines that are focused on leisure travel, their expectations are much higher. And uh, different, uh, you know, other segments in, in the U.S., uh, the, the U.S. is poised to make that recovery. You hear the airlines, you know, recovering their flight crews, you know, reactivating them. And uh, so you've got the flight crews coming back. And you also have the aircraft coming back. Just from uh, the end of last year to now, you know, a thousand aircraft have come out of storage, which seems like a huge amount when there's only about two, three thousand aircraft stored on, on average. But we've come a long way from where we were in May of 2020 when 12,000 aircraft were literally in storage. Well, that's exactly right. And a year ago, we couldn't be sitting across from each other in a conference hall with 400 exhibitors either, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian. It's really great to have you here on the show. Thanks for Aviation Week supporting this conference, too. And welcome to Airlines Confidential. Yeah, it's, it's great to be back, and I'm, I'm glad you're hosting this and, uh, you know, to see all the people here. It really was a kind of a surprise turnout for us. We, we weren't sure, you know, at Aviation Week how many people were actually going to show up, so... You know, 8,000 registrations is really a you know, positive number. Absolutely so, fantastic. Thank you, yeah. thank you very much, yeah, Brian. We'll be back with more Airlines Confidential in a minute. The Airlines Confidential podcast is now available on Apple, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, and many more. Use your favorite podcasting app with just one click at airlinesconfidential.com. Hi, this is Paul Chase from Ameriflight, and I listen to Ben and Chris on Airlines Confidential. Welcome back to Airlines Confidential. Ben, as I was listening to your talk with Brian, I kept thinking of all the times I would tell my team to go find the nuggets and the data and come back with a story to tell. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good phrase, actually. And, you know, Brian's good at his job and Aviation Week is actually very good at what they do. But just like the industry has been sort of put through the ringer in the last year and a half, they've been sort of forced, in a sense, to try to keep some methodology and some process going because they're seeing Sort of like the CDC is on the health side, they're seen along with OAG and others as the people who are probably best at understanding what's really happening because they are looking at data. They're looking at bookings data, they're looking at schedules data and things like that. One of the emails I most enjoy getting now every week or so from OAG is the biggest flights in the world right now. And they are looking at actual schedule data and saying the flights with the most seats right now. And they look at it around the world by region. And it's amazing how that's changed over the last few months and how it continues to change as airlines load more schedules for the summer. So I learned a lot from that talk with Brian. I hope you all did too. It's time for our listener questions and a reminder that Airlines Confidential welcomes your feedback, comments, and questions. Our phone number where you can leave a voicemail is 202-964-0177, or you can email us at questions at airlinesconfidential.com or visit our website at airlinesconfidential.com and follow the prompts. We're available on all the major podcast platforms, and you can ask Amazon Alexa or Google Assist to turn us on. Just say, play the Airlines Confidential podcast. Ben, our first question is from Cade in Salt Lake City. Guys, don't know if you saw the news item about Delta requiring all new hires to be vaccinated for COVID-19. 
they aren't requiring current employees to be vaccinated, however. Can they do this? Well, Chris, I thought this was a great question. Thank you, Cade. I reached out to a friend of the show and lawyer par excellence, Peter Pettish, and asked him this question. Peter, can they do this? Because <laughs> Peter's an aviation lawyer and a labor lawyer. And he said they sure can, but um, but he put some, uh, put some clarification to that. He said that basically any private company can tell their employees that they have to be vaccinated as long, or they can make their employment conditional on vaccination. That's what I mean by that. As long as they provide for appropriate sort of exemptions on health issues, on religious issues and things like that. He said the law has recognized that there are some people who for certain reasons have a right not to be vaccinated. And as long as the companies respect those rights, they can do that. Now, what I think is interesting about this, and Cade noticed this, is that Delta's not saying to keep working here, you have to do this, but to join us, you have to do this. And my guess, and Peter sort of agreed with me when I said, do you think this is what's going on? My guess is that it's easier to tell someone who's trying to get a job, look, to get this interview to come on board, we want you to be vaccinated. That's legal, but they didn't want to sort of stoke the flames with their existing employees, their existing unions, and sort of cause a hubbub about that. So what they're saying is that over time, if everyone's replaced eventually with new hires, everyone will be vaccinated. Hopefully COVID has gone long before Delta's looking at replacing all those people with new hires. But that's the thing. They can do it there. They don't have the political backlash within the company to do it with that group. So they're just taking one further step. But it is legal as long as they provide those exemptions. Well, and to your point, too, it, uh, it helps weed out the applicants who really want to work for Delta. So if that's a requirement and they want a job, they'll get vaccinated. And if they don't, they'll move on to some other employer. You're right, Chris. And I, I saw a story this week that over 400 colleges, now these are private colleges because public colleges can't do this, but there are for over 400 private colleges who said the same thing to students. If you want to come to class on campus in the fall, you have to be vaccinated. And for the same reason as it's legal for Delta to do that, it's legal for private colleges to do that. And they use that as a weeding mechanism as well, just like you mentioned Delta would. Well, more listener feedback in a moment, but don't forget that Clear makes travel safer and easier. Become a member of Clear and you'll enjoy frictionless journeys when you use Clear's home to gate feature, which lets you know exactly the best time to leave for the airport. Plus, Clear's signature experience helps you move seamlessly through airport security. Where will you go? Get back out there with Clear. And here's a special offer for Airlines Confidential listeners. Visit clearme.com and you'll receive two months free, including up to three of your family members. Just use the promo code Airlines Confidential. It's valid through July 1st. And Chris, with an expectation that there's going to be a lot of travel this summer and TSA saying they're going to be staffed, we're not sure. There's no better time to become a member of Clear. Our next question is from Roger in Vienna, Virginia, about frequent flyer programs. I've been an executive platinum with American Airlines and a premier platinum with United for the last five years. Roger, you must fly an awful lot. <laughs> I was traditionally on the road every week for my consulting firm. 
The airlines extended status into 2021, but there is no way I can achieve the thresholds for one airline, let alone both, in 2021 for the next year. So far, I've had no luck getting a commitment for some kind of waiver. I find it hard to believe that they will turn their back on a very loyal customer, but is this a lost cause? What do you think, Chris? Well, thanks, Roger, for the question. I don't think it's a lost cause at all in that everything I read and see is that airlines are finding multiple ways for their loyal guests and and passengers to achieve status, uh, whether it be through credit card spend or other kinds of things. I I think Roger, first of all, is starting and asking too soon. It's like he's kind of threw in the towel in May and isn't going to try and just wants someone to give him a status upgrade or continuation. So no offense, Roger, uh, with that comment, but I, I think you're you're approaching this too soon, and I think you need to be able to build a track record of how you've tried to meet status and have that conversation later in the year if you can't achieve it. But read some of the fine print and different ways that airlines are offering alternative paths to get the status. But I agree with you as they're trying to encourage business travelers back on board, they're not going to turn their back. Um, I also don't know, you know whose employer is, but my guess is for big corporate accounts, there might be other creative ways for their top travelers to get status as part of a corporate deal. So uh, it's not a lost cause, but I think you're a little soon in making a request. I think that's good counsel, Chris. I agree with you. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the uncertainty of the return of business travel. And that doesn't mean it's all going away, but someone like Roger who traveled every week, will he still be traveling every week? And people like Brian Coe and others tend to think that it's going to be hard to get all of that traffic back because of Zoom, because of Teams, because of work at home, because of views of personal risk and all kinds of things. So Brian, especially if you're willing to get back on the road the way you did before COVID, I think eventually, like Chris said, both airlines will want you back and will make it worth your while to do so. Finer Wine is next, and it's brought to you by friends in Pratt & Whitney, whose GTF engines don't whine and are redefining aviation. With up to 20% lower fuel burn, 50% fewer regulated emissions, and 75% smaller noise footprint, GTF engines have no comparison. This revolutionary geared turbofan engine is allowing airlines and airports to open new routes and fly more people farther with less fuel and much lower noise. Learn more at pwgtf.com. Chris, this finer wine is from KC in El Paso, Texas. The night before my United flight was to leave, I got a notification that the first leg of my trip was delayed due to pilot rest. Fine, but because of this, I would be missing my connecting flight. After an hour on hold, customer service said they can only give me a voucher for the first leg because the second leg was scheduled to fly on time. Are you kidding me? I can't make the second leg because of your error, because you're not going to fly the first flight because the pilot needs rest. So rather than lose that amount, I took the entire $707 full trip refund. I was able to get my third leg of the trip by American Airlines for $495. When I rebooked my last leg of the trip, it was $777. Maybe it's on a 777 airplane, too. (laughs) More than the entire original itinerary for only one-eighth of the distance. I will never fly United again. 
Well, we always hear that refrain, I will never, ever, ever, and I question how often the never, ever sticks. But I think it's fine for Casey to be ticked, and I will give him a general fine for being aggravated and for his unhappiness. But this is a tough one because United kind of technically upheld their contracts of carriage obligations, and when he was offered the full refund and he took it, he basically became a free agent on the open airline market to either pocket the money and not travel, and if he really needed to travel to find an alternate way to get there. And at that point, it kind of wasn't United's fault that airfares had changed from when he first bought the ticket. So it, it's kind of a push, but I'm, I'm generally with Casey about being frustrated. You know, Chris, I read this complaint and I was wondering what you were going to say about it. But I'm glad you said what you said, because you're right. He should be ticked off that he ended up paying more. But if he flies somewhat regularly, and my guess is he might, since he clearly understood the pilot rest idea, I wouldn't think someone who doesn't travel often would sort of question, well, is is that really true or not? But he seemed to accept that, that he clearly was buying this trip much closer to departure. And he should have expected the fare was going to be higher. And he clearly wasn't thinking that when he took the refund. So I kind of agree with you. This is part fine, part wine. Well, listeners, as we close this week, my shout out goes to a team of researchers from Florida Atlantic University, FAU, who announced last week that they had solved the mystery of how a group of African green monkeys who live at Fort Lauderdale Airport got there. If you've flown out of Fort Lauderdale, you might have seen them in the trees. Uh, The FAU study published in the journal Primates explains how the monkeys escaped from the Danya chimpanzee farm in 1948. The facility imported primates from Africa with the intention of selling them for medical research. And while long suspected, the jailbreak had never been confirmed. So good work by the students and by the monkeys. Chris, you're always... So creative with their shout outs. That's a great one. I've seen a lot of crazy things at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. (laughs) So I bet the monkeys are very happy living there, actually. (laughs) My shout out got to go this week to David Neoman and Breeze Airways. Last week, I gave my shout out to Andrew Levy and Avalo and talked about how hard it is to start an airline right now. And now on May 27th, Breeze is starting their operations as well. Breeze is the fifth airline by David Neoman others being JetBlue, WestJet, and Azul down in Brazil and others. And again, starting an airline in the U.S. is hard right now, but they got their certificate. They're going to be starting using the Embraer E-190-195 airplane, but they have a pretty big order for the Airbus A220 airplane, and that'll become their flagship. So if you live in Charleston, especially, you're going to really like Breeze. Well, let's call it a wrap, Ben. Thanks for joining Airlines Confidential. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Mass Media. Info at massmedia.net.